This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This week, Waymo announced it's building what it claims to be its first plant that will be completely focused on the mass production of autonomous vehicles, creating some 400 jobs in the state of Michigan. It's just the latest news on how the automotive and tech industries are moving to make driverless cars ubiquitous. But what kind of impact will that have on things like our roads, the job market, and the economy in general? Our next guest, former New York City Transportation Commissioner Sam Schwartz, says the impact could be even greater than we imagine. Schwartz, who is uh, also a former New York City cabbie, has a new book out titled No One at the Wheel, Driverless Cars and the Road of the Future. And it's a pleasure to have him joining us on the show right now. Sam, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. So let's get into these impacts. And, And obviously we're talking about not just specifically the industry itself, but all these different elements that will be impacted. Where do you see potentially the greatest impacts from having autonomous vehicles as part of our culture? Well, it'll be a revolution in in how we move about. Uh, It could be good. It could be bad. It could be ugly. It really depends upon the models that we follow going forward. Uh, If we really focus on public transportation and try to make that autonomous. And in 90% of the United States, our public transportation is in a sorry state. Yeah. Uh, we could offer a lot more public transportation through autonomous vehicles. That's one positive kind of outcome. The negative outcome could be if we just don't change our behavior and everybody is traveling by autonomous vehicles and they take the car to work and they tell the car to go home and then pick them up at 5 o'clock or at the end of the day. And so you double the amount of miles. Uh, another possible outcome is that people live further away and we encourage sprawl and and really intrude upon a, what remaining uh, rural areas that we have. And we turn them into exurbias. Uh, inactivity could rise a great deal. And that means certain kinds of uh, inactivity diseases like diabetes and heart disease and even cancers. Yeah. Uh, so there are lots of different outcomes, of course, jobs. Loads of jobs will disappear. Uh, Uber, it's no secret what their model is. Uh, They come in, they offer uh, a service, which a lot of people really are signing up for, uh, But uh, and they have been able to subsidize that service with uh, low fares. Ultimately, their plan is to get rid of the most costly part of that, and that is the driver. So Uber drivers will be out of jobs, taxi drivers out of jobs, truck drivers out of jobs. Many transit jobs will disappear. This will be nothing short of a revolution in the way we live, not unlike 120 years ago when the car first came on the scene. It sounds like that it's not 100 percent a good revolution that, that you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really worried about uh, the negatives. The negatives are... Uh, you know, we're we're hyping the fact that uh, there'll be fewer traffic deaths, and, and that's true, but we could achieve a lot fewer traffic deaths by many of the devices that will be in autonomous vehicles, such as automatic, automatic braking, uh, collision avoidance systems, blind spot monitoring and controls, lane controls. Uh, so we, we could save lives right now, but, you know, that seems to be the impetus for autonomous vehicles. On the other hand, there's been a, a an, an epidemic of obesity in the United States, 
and that obesity is taking its toll in an increasing rate of people dying from uh, diseases like diabetes and heart disease and cancer and others. Worldwide, more people die from inactivity diseases than from traffic crashes. Too many right. die from traffic crashes, 1.3 million, but 5 million from inactivity. So uh, I believe going forward, we have to weigh all these things. And also, I'm really worried about the impact on cities. So this means that that what you're talking about, we're going to have to see city governments, state governments really have to do an, an exorbitant level of planning to be prepared for these changes because of some of these elements that you just laid out. Exactly. And, I, and I'm quite fearful. So when it comes to cities, whether it's Philadelphia or New York or San Francisco or Denver or any of those cities, those cities are, are becoming more and more vibrant over the last 20 years. And a lot has to do with the millennial populations uh, moving in, people that uh, want to not necessarily rely on an automobile, want to walk more, bike more, uh, more uh, active transportation. Uh, and we can undo all that with autonomous vehicles. Uh, the autonomous vehicles will not work well with pedestrians. Nobody has figured out uh, how to determine what a pedestrian will do. A fear that I have is ultimately uh, the autonomous vehicle industry, which could be the most powerful industry we've ever seen, uh, will dictate as the automobile dictated uh, back 100 years ago when it criminalized what humans had done for yeah. uh, hundreds of thousands of years. And that's walk in any direction they want, whenever they want. Let, 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 me, uh, go, let me go back to the, to the transportation authorities that, that you mentioned a second ago. And I'm thinking here in Philadelphia with SEPTA that we have, you mentioned the impact that, that autonomous vehicles are going to have on those organizations, which, as you rightly noted, many of them, most of them are heavily funded by city and state and, and federal government. Uh, so I guess the question is, would we potentially see those organizations investing in autonomous vehicles to basically basically replace the buses that we have seen these organizations have over the years? I would say if SEPTA and, and other organizations are smart, they would begin the process right now, and they would work with the unions to ensure that their jobs are protected. Maybe not jobs as bus drivers, but maintaining the systems. One of the problems that we have in just about every public transportation is we have one or two types of buses, and they tend to be too big for many routes. Uh, there, there are too few people on those routes. Imagine right. if we can go with microtransit, small buses that have triple the frequency of the existing buses because you don't have those additional costs of labor associated with it. But you still have about the same number of people working because they're now working in different parts of the industry and the technology portion of the industry. So I think it's really important for transit not to be left out. There is a movement that says we do not need public transportation anymore with autonomous vehicles because cars could follow each other so closely and we can call those road trains and that's all hype. They don't even come close to the capacity of a real good, solid bus service or a train line. But I'm afraid public transportation, unions and others may very well fight this, and they'll be on the losing end ultimately. 
You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM uh, 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, joined uh, on the phone by Sam Schwartz, who is the uh, president and CEO of Sam Schwartz Engineering. He is the former uh, New York City Transportation Commissioner, and he is also author of the book No One at the Wheel, talking about autonomous vehicles, but what it is going to mean to our cities, to our states, to our infrastructure, to our economies. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, or if you can't Catch your phone. You can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y-21. All right, let's switch to, to the infrastructure part of it for a little bit as, as well. If we're going to see more autonomous vehicles, that means we're going to see more cars on the roads. We're already at a point in some cities where our roads, our bridges are are, are really falling apart. Obviously, we have seen some significant construction on on pieces of of that over the last decade or two i'm thinking in our area sam the new jersey turnpike and the and the complete redo that that has had uh for the most part but how are roads do you think going to be impacted in general yeah again uh, it comes down to are we going to be smart about it and if we're smart about it we can accept the fact that an autonomous vehicle uh doesn't veer or sway as much as a driver does That means we can make very narrow lanes and these vehicles can remain in those lanes. That means less infrastructure is needed. If you have three lanes right now on the New Jersey Turnpike, those lanes are 12 feet wide, that's 36 feet. You could probably get three lanes for autonomous cars, at least in the all-car section of the Turnpike, for 21 feet, not three three seven-foot lanes, because the car width is about six feet. So you could save on infrastructure. You could abandon maintaining some of that infrastructure. You could plant on the infrastructure. You don't need as much parking infrastructure that we have all over the place right now. Uh, you could save on that. If we're stupid, what we will do is just add more and more lanes, add more and more capacity to these highways, move more and more vehicles, and then dump them onto the streets of Philadelphia or Boston or New York that can't accept it as quickly. So it well, really comes down to there's an opportunity here. Let's seize that opportunity and have less infrastructure doing a more efficient job. Take us deeper into something you said about the land use, because you talk about that and how land use may change because of autonomous. Yeah, if you flew over any any city today in the in the United States, what you would see is a huge chunk, maybe twenty or thirty or forty percent, is dedicated to parking. You're not going to need parking, by the way. Anybody listening, do not invest in parking facilities. <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to see re- shop reductions. We're already seeing it with Uber and Lyft and Via and Juno and Get and others. Uh, A lot of the models show that there will be more and more shared vehicles. There'll be more and more fleets that are offering services so that people don't need cars to park. And those cars, when they're dropping you off, will go to some other location and not do a parking lot. This is a revolution in land use. Imagine a city like Atlanta, which has parking lot building, parking lot building, parking garage building. Now, suddenly, each one of those that separates the buildings could become something else, could become another building, could become a residential building, can become mixed use, it could become a park. This is probably the greatest release of property that that we have ever seen since we, we acquired the West. 
which could be a, a really good thing, but also, I guess at times it could be a troubling thing for like an entity like the real estate industry of, of having all of this change on, this different, on these different properties, but the potential of having the, these, these lands available. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be turbulent. It's already being turbulent. It's already being felt at, at airports around the country, again, with, with Uber and Lyft. Uh, airports, in general, make their most money out of parking. Yeah. And airport after airport is reporting a diminution in the number of parking, uh, people parking, and in the revenue from parking. And it's now into the double-digit reductions. So it's getting to be pretty serious. Now, that's just airports. We're going to say, see the same thing with people that own parking lots and garages uh, all around uh, the country, in cities mainly. It hasn't hit uh, rural areas, hasn't hit suburban areas as much. But ultimately, it will. So playing off of that theme, whether it be at the airports or downtown, is this the death nail for the taxi industry? Uh, if, again, the taxi industry should should seize the moment, should uh, look at, at the Uber model, the taxi industry as we know it, with a driver uh, behind the wheel, uh, is just not going to be able to compete in the same numbers that they always had. Right. They're already suffering. There's been uh, a drop, for example, in the, the, the value of a taxi medallion in New York City, which is what's required to be a taxi driver, from well over a million dollars to between two and three hundred thousand dollars. And that's even if you can get somebody to finance that, which nobody seems to be able to do. So the taxi industry uh, is suffering tremendously. It could be a death knell for the taxi industry as we know it. It could be uh, a new industry called robo-taxis could uh, arise from that, and maybe people can transfer their medallions, which a few cities have, New York, Chicago, and a few others, into the robo-taxis so they get first rights to offer taxi services with automated vehicles. Yeah. We're joined by Sam Schwartz, uh, author of the book No One at the Wheel. We're talking about the autonomous vehicle industry, but how it is going to impact our society, our culture, our economies across the United States. 844 Wharton is the number if you would like to join in with a comment or question. 844-942-7866. Or you can send comments on Twitter at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 132. Or use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. On the phones we go, Rockville, Maryland. Julia is on the line. Julia, go ahead. Hi, um, thank you for having me. I have a quick question. Um, Sam mentioned that this will have implications for the pedestrian population and the fact that their rights might be regulated for their ability to walk whenever, wherever. How does that apply to drivers who still choose to drive themselves? Will it be the same regulations and restrictions? Sam? Yeah, uh, great question. First of all, Julie brings up uh, a, vi- a very important point that I didn't mention yet, and that is the fact that we're going to have um, typical cars, conventional cars on the road with autonomous vehicles and how they behave uh, with each other. It's not unlike 100 years ago when we had horses and the automobile uh, on the roads, and it was a particularly chaotic period, and it was the most deadly period on uh, America's roads. Uh, The general drivers, right now the federal government is saying they will never outlaw driving, I believe by the second half of the century that will happen in countries other than the United States. I don't think it will happen here. But I don't think it's going to change any of the rules 
uh, regarding pedestrians uh, for the conventional driver. There may be rules that are set for the autonomous vehicle having to have certain devices, ability to communicate directly with pedestrians. The autonomous vehicle industry would love to uh, put the burden totally on the pedestrians because they can't figure it out. Some researchers have come up with devices that pedestrians would have to wear. Uh, my fear is um, that the autonomous vehicle industry will insist upon fences on sidewalks with cattle chutes when pedestrians are allowed to cross. Sounds outrageous, but outrageous things have happened in the past. So for conventional drivers, no changes, I say, in, in the immediate future, for the long-term future. Uh, this is a problem that, that needs to be tackled in a smart way, and uh, I'm always afraid uh, we take the other choice. Julia, thank you very much for your comment. Greatly appreciate it. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio, B-I-Z Radio 132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Let's think, Sam, for a second about the auto industry itself. Now, obviously, you have all of these, you know, the big three automakers and others that are putting all kinds of different partnerships together on autonomous vehicles right now. But this is also an industry that has a wide range of dealerships around the country. Then there is also the vehicle repair industry that I would imagine is going to be potentially impacted by this as well. Uh, You're absolutely right. So one of the models going forward is that the auto industry no longer predominantly sells automobiles, but sells rides. And for that to happen, it means that there'll be far more fleets. It'll be kind of like the Uber of today, uh, except without a driver that will show up. And uh, there will be these fleets that could be maintained at central locations. And so, therefore, all these uh, gas stations, all these mechanics, uh, dealerships may very well be out of jobs because all of it could be centralized at just a handful of locations that are operated by whatever uh, the automobile AV industry creates. So there is a, a great fear if we go the other way and there is individual ownership of cars, which is uh, one possible scenario, uh, then we'll still see some kind of maintenance, but it may become more difficult uh, for to insure your car, your autonomous vehicle, yeah. and it will be for a fleet to uh, insure an autonomous vehicle. And that's because of the technology that needs to be very well maintained. And I'm not sure individuals will have the patience to regularly do that. Well, that also changes how states are going to have to look at vehicles because when you think about the inspection that in in many states you have to hear in Pennsylvania, you have to get an inspection once a year to make sure that your car is walk, uh, is working properly. Uh, the licensing, uh, the the registration, there are a lot of elements that I, I think have to be looked at here. Uh, they, they do. And, uh, you know, it, it, think of the, the autonomous vehicle as, as just being a computer on wheels. And think of how many times your computer does something that it wasn't supposed to do, and you've got to reboot it. Well, those things are going to happen. And how many times, when you multiply that by 300 million people that will have computers on wheels, how many times you have to call somebody in to service it because it's going a little bit haywire, or the number of times that it's hacked. 
So you do need really good maintenance of, of these autonomous systems, these computers on these vehicles, and it's not clear that individuals will have as much capability as fleets will, and that's why we may lean towards fleet maintenance. Uh, we're talking with uh, Samuel Schwartz, who is uh, the former New York City Transportation Commissioner. Uh, he uh, has written a book, No One at the Wheel. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. In thinking this uh, this through, Sam, I, I was also thinking of a couple of industries that seemingly will benefit from this. And one being, I think, the delivery system, uh, whether it be companies like FedEx, UPS, et cetera, or delivery services that we now see through like Uber Eats and others, they will benefit greatly because of having this technology. But I would also think that that payment systems uh, would become even more important because of the fact that you will have to pay for that ride when that autonomous vehicle comes to your door to pick you up. Yes, yes. So, well, de- dealing with delivery, the probable early uses of autonomous vehicles, and there's already been many tests and examples of that, are for the long-haul trucking. So trucking right. that's going coast-to-coast coast right now requires a driver, requires that driver to get rest. Um, that vehicle can drive without stopping. It may have to stop for some fueling, but it doesn't have to stop to eat. It doesn't have to stop to sleep but to go cross-country and get to a destination. It may need a driver to meet it at a certain location, but for 3,000 miles, it could drive by itself. That'll be one of the first uses uh, that we see. Uh, You know, the the payments, you know, the the payments are like uh, the Uber and Lyft. I don't see a difference there. Right. Uh, You will have some kind of account, and you will have an app or whatever succeeds an app, and you will be charged when that vehicle shows up. Back to the phone, Sean in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Sean, go ahead. Hey, I, uh, I've been listening to this, and my, my biggest concern when I'm hearing it, is I love automated technology, but if we're going to take parking lots in the middle of urban areas and turn them into mixed-use or residential, we're going to need to add infrastructure, sewage and water, and electric for all those buildings that now become residential. And I don't think that we have the current zoning laws to allow a double population density and take cars out of town, what do you, uh, does that? How does that factor into what you've been thinking? Yeah, uh, Sean. Yes, ex- exactly. And that's what cities have to start thinking about. Uh, you know, a lot of these will end up being fallow properties, uh, bankrupt properties, and obviously you don't want something like that. And if developers are going to see an opportunity there. They should be paying for the infrastructure, as a lot of local governments already do require. Uh, th- this is a radical change. Uh, it-, it could uh, affect density in two ways, just as Sean uh, speaks about, in which we, it's, it fills in and creates higher density in certain urban areas, which allows perhaps more and more walking and, and uh, more biking and other forms of transportation, which are very efficient or it could change our land use patterns in which people live much, much further out because driving is no longer a hassle. And spending an hour and a half in a car could be a very productive. Um, if you look at some of the uh, commercials or, or uh, perhaps 
uh, of the commercials that some of the industry are doing. You'll be able to sleep in your car. You'll be able to work in your car. <laughs> oh, God. You'll be able to have a romantic dinner in your car. You can do <laughs> everything in your car. You never need to leave it. Sean, thanks very much for the call. Greatly appreciate it. Sam, fantastic book. Uh, congratulations. Uh, and look forward to talking to you again down the road about all of these issues because, again, these are going to pick up even as we go farther. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Samuel Schwartz. The book is No One at the Wheel, Driverless Cars and the Road of the Future. Uh, it is available in bookstores and online for your purchase now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.